You're listening to a Better Mousetrap podcast. I'm your host, Marcos Dinnerstein. Every week, I bring you an important player in New York City's tech scene, and maybe as important, I also shine a light on the newest players. What each of them does matters. And I am here today with Yusuf Khalad, Program Director of NYCX, a program in the mayor's office of the chief technology officer. That's right. Excellent. <laughs> Essentially, your part is the program for uh, emerging tech in the city. Is that correct? That's right. Great. <laughs> so tell us about your professional background and how you came to be in city government. Sure. Well, um, thank you for having me. Uh, My name is uh, Yusuf, and I'm program director at uh, NYCX. Um, uh, NYCX is a program housed within the mayor's office of the chief technology officer. And as you mentioned, it focuses heavily on kind of emerging technologies and their impact in the public realm. Um, I've had an interesting set of uh, personal and professional experiences that got me uh, to this role and in this administration. Um, I immigrated to the U.S. Uh, when I was six from Egypt. Uh, so as an immigrant, I think I've, I've thought a lot about the uh, tremendous good and the tremendous impact that government has on quality of life uh, and on helping people lead fulfilling, uh, dignified lives. Um, I actually studied public policy at the University of Chicago, so I've always had a great interest in public policy, but actually started my career in management consulting. So I worked for a boutique consultancy that largely helped companies think through how to test new and interesting ideas, initiatives, concepts that might be risky, that might be different, that require a bit of experimentation. Um, I then actually served a, a few stints at Google and Uber, with focus on product, on strategy and operations, and again on experimentation and thinking through how to roll out a big idea uh, in a manner that's kind of uh, testable and and, uh, has garnered kind of uh, research expertise. Um, But, you know, I came to a point uh, where, number one, I felt like what I was doing in tech was useful and was fulfilling, but there was more that I could be doing. Uh, And I think watching from afar the way the mayor uh, Mayor de Blasio laid out a vision for uh, a, a fairer, more just, more equitable big city in America, um, especially in contrast to what was happening, I think, on a national level. Uh, it drew me to look for an opportunity to do that work and to also marry it, again, with my passion for, for tech. What areas does NYCX focus on? How does, it, uh, how does your office determine where to expend energies and resources? Sure, so I'll start out by kind of putting NYCX in context. So we're housed out of the mayor's office of the chief technology officer. Um, We have different kind of programmatic areas. So uh, there's a broadband and connected team focused on advancing uh, the mayor's vision for universal broadband. Uh, There's a smart cities team focused on IoT. Uh, And then there's our, our team, the NYCX team. And so like I mentioned before, we're focused on kind of emerging technologies and pointing them to the public good. We have two core programs that we focus on. The first is our Collabs program, which uh, largely works uh, at the community or the block level to help communities understand the impact of community on their lives, uh, the, the impact of, sorry, technology on their lives. 
and also allows them to uh, tackle the self-identified problems that they, that they share um, through technology or technological thinking. So we have a collab right now uh, in Brownsville, Brooklyn, uh, and just expanded to, uh, to Inwood. Uh, the second program, the Moonshot program, which is what I lead, uh, is focused on kind of broader um, city scale challenges that also have global implications and, and global kind of issues at stake. Uh, you asked how we prioritize kind of challenges and, and how we pick and choose things. Uh, I think at its core, the challenge program looks for uh, issues, challenges, problems, initiatives that uh, are housed within the 1NYC plan. Uh, so the 1NYC plan is the mayor's plan uh, really for how to achieve that vision of making the city the fairest big city in America. So it makes quite expansive uh, goals, promises, uh, priorities that get us to where we need to be. And so the challenges that we've taken up and pursued have largely come out of that one NYC plan and have been in furtherance of some of the big goals and landmarks in the plan. So going back to the uh, collabs, how do you um, structure the conversations with those communities to get their input to understand what their needs are and therefore what it makes sense to work on? Sure. So I... I to be fair, I do not lead the collapse program, so my uh, yeah, if, if my high level. yeah at, at a high level, I think what's important to note is, generally speaking, the approach, the philosophy isn't uh, building for people and for community; it's building with community. So what that practically means is when a, a collapse springs up or is identified in a community, the very first thing that happens is a process by which you know our program and our team identifies the core anchor institutions in the community that have community trust, that have capabilities, that have membership and support in the community to, to kind of identify the core issues that exist. But beyond that, there's actually a length, lengthy kind of multi-month research process that's undertaken where people are gathered, where the program is introduced, where the program's principles are laid out so folks have a sense of what we believe and what we care about and what we aim to achieve. And then uh, you go through several sets of workshops where you talk to people honestly and openly and say, what's going on in your neighborhoods? What's going on in your block? What matters to you and what doesn't matter to you? What has been tried before that was unsatisfactory? And throughout that lengthy process of putting people in a room, gathering feedback, coming back to them, connecting them to various city agencies, a challenge is born where you find opportunities where there's great community interest and need and also a, a challenge that the city has set out uh, as a priority uh, and then a challenge, of course, is, is created through that process. And that was high level? Come on. That was great. Okay, so let's, let's go back away from collabs and back to the, uh, the in a sense, the experimental lab projects. Uh, talk about some of those and what you've done with them, what successes you've had, whether you even measure things in terms of successes more than you do learnings. Absolutely. So um, if we talk about the Moonshots program, I think um, we want to start with the name. So generally speaking, a, you know, a Moonshot is, uh, you know, a big overarching goal, a challenge, a, a problem that requires kind of out-of-the-box thinking, that requires a, a new approach, and that requires risk-taking. And so with uh, the two moonshots that we've executed over the past year, they've been focused on two of the major goals 
Promises initiatives that were set out in the 1NYC plan. So our very first moonshot, which we wrapped up uh, last spring, was our Governor's Island Connectivity Moonshot Challenge. And the thinking there was, you know, we wanted to use Governor's Island as a true test bed for looking at the way uh, new ways of doing kind of engineering and testing as well as new wireless approaches to figure out how they can be used more broadly. Uh, and what we ended up looking at was also how to deploy new technologies, uh, new radios, new ways of engineering in a difficult context or environment where there's a lot of historical preservation, where fiber might not be most accessible to deliver fiber-like speeds. And so what we were excited about was the fact that um, a pretty cool and innovative company, Fiberless Networks, was the winner of the challenge. They were able to demonstrate uh, a new kind of uh, uh, engineering approach whereby the surrounding area was preserved where you could deliver fiber-like speeds with wireless infrastructure and where you could then unlock applications broadly for the challenge, whether they're uh, for, the, uh, for the, um, the island rather, whether they were uh, IoT applications, whether they were ways of beginning to measure kind of where people go on the island and how they use the island, and of course delivering free Wi-Fi to, to all users who, who uh, get to Governor's Island. Um, the second moonshot that we launched and, and wrapped up uh, last summer was also firmly grounded in 1NYC, uh, and it actually tackled, you know, potentially an even bigger moonshot, which is, you know, the mayor set out a target of nearly reducing all greenhouse gas emissions in the city, so 80% of greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. And one of the core components of that is figuring out in a city like New York with limited space, uh, with different terrains and environments, how you can deploy uh, electric vehicle charging infrastructure efficiently, effectively, cheaply, and in a manner that doesn't disrupt kind of existing uh, communities and existing landscapes. And so would, would, would those be um, private car um, electric? Um, mass transit, multi-passenger, uh, or is it agnostic, that technology? Yeah, so that's an extremely good question, and, and it highlights the, the broad nature of the, the, the promise. So the uh, desire to reduce emissions means that you need to tackle private vehicles, fleet vehicles, large and small vehicles, the works. And so the, the solutions that we received actually ran the gamut, so in some cases, we learned about really cool energy harnessing infrastructure like sort of speed bumps that when you drive over them actually capture and store the limited energy that that might generate. We also saw cool examples of wireless or inductive charging where through plates beneath the ground or uh, a certain wireless charger you can actually charge vehicles you know in place. Um, we also saw you know interesting concepts around mobile charging so in certain environments where you can't actually put something in the ground can you have essentially a mobile charger with enough capacity roam around to top uh, vehicles up. The solution that ended up rising to the top was actually one that was interesting and innovative for the United States but had actually been validated in Europe uh, and so the, the, the solution, which 
uh, a startup in Germany called Ubitricity had pioneered was essentially uh, using existing city infrastructure. In this case, uh, these would be the lampposts of which we have a little over 300,000 across the city uh, and retrofitting them in a rapid kind of efficient um, non-invasive manner to become or to double as level one vehicle chargers. And what I mean by level one is essentially it charges at a fairly kind of uh, slow or, or um, I, I would say the slowest rate that, that you have on the market, but it does it in a manner where for people who park on the street uh, overnight, they're able to charge their vehicles and it's integrated into their daily lives rather than requiring them to go to a specific place to charge, to charge vehicles. And I think what's great about this application is that it's also available to fleet vehicles as well. And so um, the, now Ubitricity uh, is engaged with our core partner agencies on the challenge to think about a longer term, bigger rollout of, of their chargers. And actually their participation in the challenge, which really excited us, allowed them to expand and grow in new cities in Europe, including Paris and, and London. Would this uh, potentially make some parking spots much more valuable than other parking spots? I would say if you're an EV owner, I'm sure I've, I'm sure you're you're uh, you're going to prize those parking spots more than others. Yes, very cool. There's a UK company, and we might I might edit this part out, no. um, called PaveGen, who came over with um, must have been two years ago now, with uh, London and Partners for their London is Open uh, initiative, where the mayor brought over 30 companies. And they do that kind of energy capture for pavements for, so that it will, when you step on them, it depresses the, uh, the pavement panel a little bit to generate electricity. And in high traffic pedestrian areas, it can produce some meaningful amount of electricity. And, and actually, to your point, I think what's exciting about the Moonshot program is that we, we try to solicit emerging technology concepts, and in many ways, they're all at different stages of development. So when we saw that application, we were extremely excited about it, um, but also recognized that it was in such an early stage of development that it didn't quite meet the, the near-term needs that we had, but nonetheless fulfilled the goal of getting our, our heads around an emerging technology that'll be useful for the city at some point. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting stuff. So uh, how do you judge, I, I guess you've partially answered this question, uh, whether an, an initiative is successful or not. Does it need to produce an actual working prototype that can move on to a more scalable model, or can success also be measured in uncovering promising technologies, even if they don't warrant immediate scaled deployment? That's a, a really good question. Um, I think we think about this in two ways. So if we're truly doing things that are experimental and interesting and, and new, um, we should be comfortable with uh, an, the outcome that um, many of the concepts aren't feasible. They might not necessarily be quite ready for prime time. And so if we receive 30 different concepts, we're comfortable knowing that at least half you know, might not be ready if they're truly emerging and, and innovative. On the flip side, the goal of running these challenges is to 
help a partner agency that is tasked with making meaningful, meaningful progress on a, a core mayoral priority to actually make progress on that through a new and, and, and innovative approach. Now, how do we measure success? Um, we obviously want it to work, so it needs to be able to do what it says it's going to do at a, at a, a greater kind of efficiency, greater performance than what already exists. Uh, I think really beyond that, uh, and this is core to our office's mission, it's supposed to solve the human problem, the quality of life issue that exists. Uh, so it can be great tech, great technology that's amazing, that's innovative, that you know might have great private sector backing, but if it doesn't actually solve the human problem, then it's not quite, doesn't quite fit the bill. And then I think beyond that, we're always looking for efficiency. So is it low cost? Does it uh, present kind of an easy integration plan into what the city's already doing, whether it's structural in nature, like you know living in a street, or if it's software and needs to be integrated into existing systems? Um, and if it fulfills all those things, then I think we, we deem it a success and, and we want to expand it and broaden it out. Got it. So let's talk now about the uh, Cyber NYC and the Cyber Moonshot Challenge, uh, since that's still open for applications, uh, if I'm not wrong. Yes. Uh, so let's, let's, get the, let's get the knowledge out and get the word out. And uh, first of all, congratulations on that, uh, the panel last night. Uh, it was a great session. It thank was you. really informative. Uh, so yes, tell us about it. Yeah, thank you. So you know, last night we, um, we put on a panel in partnership with um, Grand Central Tech. Um, to talk about um, the uh, NYCX Cybersecurity Moonshot uh, Challenge. So to answer your, your earlier question, Cyber NYC is uh, an initiative that the New York City Economic Development Corporation uh, is running. It's an investment of you know, $100 million to essentially grow the cybersecurity industry and cybersecurity jobs in New York City. Um, the NYCX Cybersecurity Moonshot Challenge that um, our office is running um, actually um, has NYCEDC as a partner, as well as the Department of Small Business Services, uh, the Cyber Command team within New York City government, um, and, uh, and a couple of other folks. And the idea behind the challenge, uh, again, comparing it to, to the previous moonshots we shared, is about you know, solving an issue of equity and of utmost importance in the city. Um, what we're seeing in the market in terms of cybersecurity is that threats continue to increase. Uh, and uh, oftentimes, the bigger the organization is, the more well-capitalized or well-resourced it is, the better it is at protecting itself from threats. And uh, we find that in New York City, we have 240,000 small businesses who are the lifeblood of the economy, who uh, employ a ton of people in the city, so they're, primary, uh, they're a primary job growth driver. Um, they service many New York City residents, um, and they're behind in that adoption curve. And so what we want to figure out, frankly, is how do we help the small business person, whether they have a retail location, whether they're a five-person uh, consulting organization or you know, a family-run you know, legal team, uh, or again, you know, someone who owns two or three different coffee shops, how do we help them to become as resilient to these massive threats that exist as their Fortune 500 counterparts? So I mentioned before that it's an equity question, that we want the smallest organizations in the city to be uh, just as protected and just as resilient as the larger ones. But it's also a question of systemic resilience. So oftentimes, small businesses service 
uh, residents across the city, you know, they might gather personal information, they might offer services that tap into their smartphones or otherwise. So it's important to have them protected so that at a resident, at a consumer level, they're protected. The other reason it's important to uh, get them uh, protected from cyber threats is they also do a lot of business with larger companies and with uh, local, state, federal government. So this allows them to be more competitive and allows for generally a more resilient system across the entire city. Um, the challenge, like you mentioned, uh, is still open. We have about uh, three weeks left until the deadline, which is uh, February 8th, 2019. Um, we're extremely excited about this challenge because it really demonstrates the growth of the program over the last uh, year or so. So we've received probably interest from around 100 different organizations around the world of all shapes and sizes, research institutions, large companies, small startups. Um, we're glad to have partnerships across the world uh, in this effort. So we have four international cities and four countries who are supporting us in getting out the word, but also in uh, supporting challenge participants and finalists to grow in their home city and, and country. Uh, and again, we're extremely thrilled about the, the interest so far. So you know, if you head to our website uh, at nyc.gov slash CTO, or just Google NYCX Cybersecurity Moonshot Challenge. Uh, you'll get to the, the Moonshot application. It takes five to 10 minutes, uh, and we'd really love to hear from folks who might be interested. Great. I will make sure to uh, actually put that in, in the, uh, the show notes as well so that people can see that. Um, so what's next for NYCX? Because obviously you're not doing enough. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> So we've got a couple things going on. Um, I'll start with our collabs program. So uh, as I mentioned, we're currently in Brownsville and we're in Inwood, and the Inwood collab is, is just starting up and actually doing that kind of community outreach process. Um, we are uh, actively looking to expand across all the five boroughs for, for collabs, so be on the lookout for that. Um, on the Moonshots front, the challenge's first round is going to close on February 8th. Um, we're going to go through a couple of rounds after that where we gather more information, vet some of the participants to get a sense for where we might need additional information, where we might want to learn more about the distribution uh, of the software, how it might work in different environments. And then actually uh, in late spring, early summer, we're going to invite finalists to New York City to not only pitch but also to do demos and deployments for us so they can get real feedback on how essentially their solution works. Um, and then we're on the hunt for our next moonshot. So uh, we're actively uh, working on the next or supporting the development of the next 1NYC plan, which lays out the city's progress on previous uh, uh, initiatives and goals that it's set out, but also what it's going to do uh, in the face of new challenges and new developments. Uh, and we'll take our cue from that plan about which challenges we might want to pursue. Um, but we welcome, actually, feedback, interest, um, ideas. Uh, again, if you go to our website, nyc.gov slash CTO, if you tweet at us uh, at nyc underscore CTO, or if you email us at nycx at cto.nyc.gov, um, we'd love to hear from you, and, uh, and we'd love to collaborate in the future. Great. Thank you so much for joining me. Yusuf Khalad, appreciate it. Thank you for having me.